I asked her if she wanted to go out to dinner, and she said, no, maybe we could get together for lunch. <laughs> you know what that means. What's wrong with lunch? Lunch is fine at the beginning. Then you move on to dinner. You don't go back to lunch. It's like being demoted. <laughs> I'll never do another crossword puzzle with her again. I know it. I like the jumble. You ever do the jumble? <laughs> I have no power. Don't you understand? I need hand. I have no hand. <laughs> you break up with her. What? You break up with her. You reverse everything that way. Hmm. A preemptive breakup. <laughs> A preemptive breakup. Mm -hmm. This is an incredible idea. Yeah. I got nothing to lose. We either break up, which she would do anyway, but at least I go out with some dignity, or I completely turn the tables. This is absolutely brilliant. Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week, we are here to review the episode, The Pez Dispenser. I'm Dando. I am Guy. Dando, how you doing, my man? I'm doing very well, sir. Had a nice weekend. We were just discussing off air that went out with the lovely wife of mine, Nicola, who, congratulations, by the way, not sure if I said it on this podcast yet, but she was promoted to manager of her, um, of her workplace. She now manages all of Victoria and all of Tasmania, two whole states. She's the manager of it. I didn't realise <laughs> it was two whole states. Yeah, yeah, so she's now running the business for the state. <laughs> and she's running the business at your estate. Yeah, yeah, me managing me, far more difficult <laughs> than managing her business. But um, yeah, so congratulations to my lovely wife, uh, Nicola, who's out in the... And you know the best thing about my wife, too, is she's so understanding and so supportive of this show and all, everything we do here at the Four Finger Discount Network that she's managing the state at our kitchen table so we can have this office space to do our podcast. Oh, that's just uh, saintly is what it is. Yes. She is sponge-worthy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so th what about you? What did you do for the weekend? Very little and so happy about it. Um, it's so good when I was just saying that, you know, you've just got a couple of hours of no interruptions. Because, I mean, I've got kids. You you live with Louise. We don't live with Louise, but you got Louise is most of your time. Mm. You've got kids running around here, there, and everywhere. And they're older, so they're louder. They're, you know, they're, they're basically young adults just running around the house. But when there's no one in the house, it's just used to us like, it's just our time, baby. We can just watch whatever we want. We can just we can go to sleep for two hours. Let's do it. <laughs> so, we can do yeah, crosswords can... in the bed. <laughs> Doesn't it, didn't that I sound love that great? Moment, by the way, that sounded so nice. <laughs> Dad, when, when he said that, I was like, young Dando wouldn't get that. Thirty-four-year-old Dando gets it and appreciates it and has it in his favorite moments. <laughs> I just loved that line. <laughs> we did a crossword in the bed, and the sheer joy of George. Just we did a crossword in the bed. Like it, it sounds amazing. <laughs> he made it sound like the most appealing thing, and quite honestly, it does. Yeah, yeah. There are, pl there are plenty of good things to do in the bedroom. That's what <laughs> Simpson once said. <laughs> yes, I, I too like a bit of uh, two across and uh, three down, if you know what I mean. <laughs> So, by the way, guys, we are now on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I made it a few months ago, but we're now doing it. So, at Talking Seinfeld, one word, at Talking Seinfeld on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, it is, if you are not a patron of the show, it is a w the way you can communicate with us and get in touch with us. So, just jump on Instagram, jump on Twitter and, and follow at Talking Seinfeld. I'm going to give Guy the login deets for that. So, Guy's going to be posting on there as well. So, if you want to get in touch with Guy and myself and get an immediate response, because Guy will just be living by that, uh, by that social media, as soon as you send something to him, he's 
overall plot straight away at Talking Seinfeld. We'd love for you to jump on there and follow that. Make that your job for the next fortnight. Jump on there and follow at Talking Seinfeld. And if you do enjoy everything we do here, you can, of course, support us on Patreon for as little as just $1 per month. We'd appreciate if you could do that as well, if you could afford it. But yes, The Pez Dispenser, another really great episode of Seinfeld, one I was looking forward to reviewing, and it did not disappoint. There was just... It was very simple, this story, and I guess that's sort of, that's just Seinfeld in a nutshell a lot of the time. It's just a simple premise, not a whole lot going on, but still, it's the dialogue that makes it. There's not a lot, when it comes to like scenarios, the scenarios aren't grand, there's not a huge deal going on scenario-wise, but just the banter back and forth was just a whole lot of fun in this, I thought. Very much so, yeah. I mean, uh, just as Friends has its titles, The One With, Seinfeld does that as well. But I mean, yeah, you, you primarily go... Oh, yeah, this is the one with the pest dispenser. And it's called the pest dispenser, of course. But, yeah, you're not really thinking so much about the plot or or the story or anything like that. You really are sort of remembering bits and pieces and uh, how it makes you feel. I I always just, whenever I hear the pest dispenser, I think of Jerry doing the little clap with the pest dispenser. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you mentioned dialogue as well, but one thing that really struck me about this episode, and Mm. look, there are episodes before... This one that we've reviewed and we've brought it up, but this really struck me as having that particular Seinfeld rhythm. Uh, you know, it's just uh, the way certain lines are delivered, the way scenes sort of, uh, the way actors bounce one another, the way scenes percolate along. It just felt quintessentially uh, Seinfeld to me. What I liked about this story was how they managed to get something as insignificant as a pest dispenser and highlight that something so tiny and so small can create such chaos if put into the wrong hands <laughs> because all of this started because Jerry put a little pest dispenser on Elaine's lap and that was it <laughs> I, I personally blame Kramer for this for just you know bringing it into their world in the first place yeah that's the that's the question and, and they they play on that as well because they say Kramer indirectly caused Richie to get onto the into, into drugs and whatnot. Mm. And he also indirectly was the reason that all everything goes to shit in this episode as well. Absolute agent of chaos, that man. Just <laughs> yeah, causing trouble <laughs> wherever he goes. No, not intending to. There's no malice in Kramer. But uh, yeah, just the way he goes about things throws the universe into disarray. That is a good one, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourites. So what were your favourite moments from the episode? I was a big fan of... Uh, George in general just trying to control everything, you know, not only his relationship uh, with Noel, but, uh, you know, when when there's that first meeting that uh, when Jerry and Elaine are first going to meet Noel, and, you know, he sort of wants everyone to... Listen to me. I'm telling you how things are. I'm the boss here. Like you, you must be feel sorry and be embarrassed and apologise to me, or at least... Be not not what's the word not yeah just be sorry for what they've done and they just don't care they just, they don't care and when, there's nothing more irritating than when someone's done something wrong and they're showing no remorse for it it's like be sorry <laughs> I just want to hear you say sorry uh, but I think the bit the bit of that that I love the most was just when he says something about cut to the chase and Jerry just can't believe cut to the chase what are you Joe Hollywood <laughs> and yeah. it, it's always funny when someone. When a friend of yours and someone you can take the piss out of without them taking it too personally or someone you can call on being a bit of a wanker and them not seeing, being completely heartbroken by going, eh, you probably got a point. They try to incorporate some cool new slang or, you know, they're, they're trying something that's just not them and they're trying just a little bit too hard and you sort of have to pull the reins back on them a little and say, eh, it's not... Mm. 
No, don't do that. Yeah, not even. Eh, don't do that. It's like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that's why I had, I had a friend of mine who kept trying to kept trying to say that's a vibe. I'm like, don't start this. <laughs> it sounds stupid coming out of your mouth. It sounds stupid coming out of anybody's mouth. I do apologise. If there's any listeners out there that do say that, you know, you know, more power to you. But this friend of mine, when he kept saying, yeah, that's a vibe, I'm like, stop it. Stupid. This is not a vibe. <laughs> You're creating a bad one by saying it. Stop it, please. <laughs> Just stop trying to make fetch happen, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed just George's sheer glee at the start of this. It's, uh, obviously, no, mm. another episode, another George girlfriend, but that aside. But I just really enjoyed just, we did a crossword in bed. I was like, that's awesome. George, for all his faults, and he does have many, uh, deserves a W every once in a while. He deserves a win, and it felt like he had one at the start here. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, but even though George being George, he, of course, is going to self-sabotage by saying, she's just too good for me and, you know, all that kind of business. Uh, but it did sound like, well, first of all, invariably you're going to be punching above your weight. Men are always punching above their weight. (laughs) I know I certainly am. I'm slipping with the boss now, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That just cracks me up. Um, But but the fact that he sounded so happy, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, we're both coming back to the crossword in bed. It's weird how that's just become our shorthand for, like, ideal relationship, relationship goals. Well, I've got here... For all his faults, George must be doing something right with the ladies because he's getting a lot of girlfriends. He can't keep them because, like you said, he self-sabotages. But he seems to be able to get them pretty well. That's the thing. I think it's about Jason Alexander as well. I mean, not necessarily the most handsome man. (laughs) You know, he's kind of... I don't know how old George is meant to be in these things. I think we talk about this a lot because... It's like early to mid-30s, I'm assuming. Yeah. I don't know. And he's... (laughs) Got the receded hairline, and you know he's not exactly buff, and he's not a big guy, but he's there's just something about him. He's kind of he's got a weird charisma. I mean, people talk a lot about Kramer's weird charisma and how he's you know, kind of a a magnet in some ways. But that's because he plays that his character needs that. Like he, Michael Richards plays that up. He does, he does have that charisma, mm. but he really that's that's his shtick for the show, where George. He has a lot of other things going on for him, but you're right though. Justin Alexander, there's something about him that just makes you go, you're not that attractive, but there's something about you that makes me just want to be with you. Yeah. I've, I've, I've mentioned in the past that, uh, you know, Justin Alexander was in the cast of this uh, 80s, early 80s horror movie called The Burning, a real uh, slasher movie. You always and, bring this up. You love it. Oh, I, <laughs> it's weird for me to say that I love it because it's a gross horror movie. I mean, it's insanely bloody. It's just disreputable to the max. But it's the first time I saw Jason Alexander, and you know he's got his still got his hair in this, and he's playing kind of the the Bill Murray type at the summer camp. You know, he's he looks far too old to be an actual uh, camper there. I think he might be a counselor or something like that. But mm. he's just got a real energy. It's like this is the kind of guy you want to be around. He's the kind of guy you know. He walks in, it's like, hey, the party started. And so, even though he's he got- was, By the way, he was he was 32 when this episode came out. Okay. Then. So, he's got a few- yeah. Yeah, He's still got a, some miles on the meter at this stage. And, you know, the hair's gone. He's you know, got, got the love handles. But that energy is still there, even if like, even though he's playing it down as George Costanza, who's kind of this born loser. That, that, that charisma is still there. You can't wholly deny it. So, maybe that's it. Maybe that's- Women see it. <laughs> and they want it. As, as someone who's 34 now, I find it- not confronting that the fact that he's 32, but I think it's because I grew up and when Seinfeld was first on, I was so young. So, I always saw, saw these people, Jerry, Elaine, Kramer, George, 
as old people. Mm-hmm. But I'm now older than what they were when that show was made. It's just like, oh, shit, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I... When you're a kid, you think your parents are so old. I'm like, no, my dad was like 27. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah. He, he, was, he wasn't old at all. In fact, when I was a kid, like, he seemed like he was a real old person. Now I'm like, it makes me feel like, because we went out for drinks last Friday night, Nicola and I, for the first time in ages, we're at the, the, the local pool hall slate here in Geelong. And there's all these sort of like 20-year-olds walking around. I'm thinking, there's certain points where I'm thinking, these like girls like looking at me thinking, who's this fucking old guy? Like, if I, I don't feel <laughs> old, but no. sometimes I have those moments where I'm like, and they looking at me judging me saying who's this old guy thinking he who, like questioning who do you think he is hanging out with all these kids like it just it felt weird and the weirdest thing was and I pointed this out to Nicola was that there was like girls and guys there who were like four or five years below me at high school who are now like grown adults and I'm like wow this is just so strange I think it's just because I don't go out very often I probably would if you saw them all the time it wouldn't matter but just I'm like I haven't seen you since you were year eight now you're like in your mid-twenties what's happening here it was just yeah it, it, it's tough I'm <laughs> getting older I mean I'll find myself you know I'll be at the supermarket for instance and you know go through the checkout and you'll be having a not banter with the young person, you know, behind the counter or whatever, or manning the checkout, but uh, just asking how their day is. Yeah, yeah but you sort of realise, oh, am I that old person who's like, how's your day going? You going all right? Oh, you're doing a very good job. It doesn't help that you're doing your Bobby impersonation. Well, there's that as well. That's that's not my Bobby impersonation. That's just generic old person. What's, but- what's your Bobby impersonation? I thought that was your Bobby. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can imitate Dad. I, I'll, I'll give it a whirl, but I'm not going to certainly do it off the uh, <laughs> off the bat right now. Okay. But then realizing, oh, well, you sort of have to keep yourself in check and go, okay, don't try. Make sure that what you're saying to this person who is probably three decades and change younger than you, make sure you're not that sleazy old guy who's like just talking to the kids like you're one of the kids, just like. Oh, you might you must be on that TikTok, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you going out after this, eh? Oh, that's oh. Nice. <laughs> I heard a guy say that to this girl at um. It happened last week. I was picking up a, 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 a um a gift for Holly from Big W here in Geelong, and this girl was serving, and it was the guy in front of me. And he goes, it was, and because it, it was I must no, it was Friday. It was Friday when I was picking up. And he goes, Friday night must be a night for you. You going out with your friends tonight? And I'm like, don't ask this girl that. She looks like she's fucking twelve. Like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was this old guy, like just eh, going out tonight. Hey, eh? yeah, I'm sure you have a good time tonight with your friends. Yeah, yeah. You like to drink, do you? I'm like, this is pedophile 101 yeah, when, no, he asked, yeah. when he asked the whole you like to drink I'm like what is going on <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's that realisation when you get a few more miles on the meds oh yeah keep yourself in check when you're sort of talking <laughs> there's a fine line between I appreciate your, you know, you've got a, a fairly average job here I'm doing my best to sort of you know show my appreciation for it but at the same time yeah you don't want to be like oh say wrap up in a couple of hours do you what's happening then <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're you're a toolie when there's no schoolies on. It's terrible. Yeah, exactly. Now this episode is called the pest dispenser. Obviously, the whole thing is about the chaos that is created from this pest dispenser being put on Elaine's lap. Were you ever a pest dispenser guy? I was never really a pest dispenser. I think I had several. I've got a couple here. I've got a, a few Muppets ones. I remember I used to like the Muppets ones, but and Elliot's got a couple. They seem to sort of still make them now. He's got a couple like superhero ones, but. I was never a Pez dispenser guy. It was always too difficult to load them, and I just gave up. I was like, ah, oh, it's too fucking hard. Just give me a lollipop. Yeah, pretty much, isn't it? It's like, this seems like a lot of effort to go for a little bit of a sugary treat. Yeah. Uh, I remember Pez dispensers were kind of a big thing 
when I was a kid. And yeah, look, I'm sure I had a few of them. They probably had tie-ins to things like Star Wars and all that kind of business. I probably had a Darth Vader one or something along those lines. But yeah, I can't see my... (laughs) It's funny, I'm wondering how far out of the um, pop culture consciousness they'd been when this episode aired, because it's like... A lot, apparently. And Jason Alexander says, because of this episode, suddenly they were, like, reborn again. And everyone was back. walking in with a Pez dispenser. And Pez were, like, so thankful. And they will send them free Pez. And they, like, made a Jerry Pez for Jerry and a George oh. one for Jason and whatnot. <laughs> but he was saying they didn't intend for that. They didn't mean that. They didn't actually expect... The, the, the whole joke was that this Pez dispenser is so insignificant, no one likes them anymore. Yeah. They didn't think that it was going to create a boom. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. And, just, and, and he said that Jason was saying in the, um, in the inside look that... It was the first time in his experience that he realised, wait a minute, this show has some power now. Mm. Was Seinfeld a show that seemed to have some sort of like impact in Australia? I always never really saw it as one that did that. But were people walking around doing the whole yada, yada, yada? And I think certainly around this period of the show as well, when it's really, it's starting to gain a bit of momentum. Yada, 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 no soup for you. I mean, this, oh, this is all stuff down the line, of course. But yeah, yeah. When it was in its, in its groove... And not just in America, but in Australia. Yeah, there was a, a lot of, you know, these pretzels are making me thirsty. And it's a very catchphrase heavy show. And that's a shortcut to just worming your way into someone's head. If you've come up with a uh, a, a nifty one-liner that you can sort of drop in, if you don't have the ability to come up with jokes on your own, but if you do have the ability to realise, if I say no soup for you here in relation to something, I'm going to be the life of the party for a, for like a split second. Yeah, and and Seinfeld really has a lot of those. So, yeah, I mean that that's one of the one of the big reasons it became popular, I'm sure. Pez, would you say that that's all like the 90s equivalent or the 80s maybe equivalent of like Funko Pops? <laughs> or just like a fad? <laughs> I think Smurfs were the uh, 80s equivalent of uh, Funko Pops. Smurfs were huge Smurfs. for a while. Smurfs. Yeah, but, were- but, but, but Smurfs is a license. Funko have all these different licenses and they make their design. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like Pe- Pez is like a thing that can get all different licenses and brands and apply it to their model. That yeah, that's sense. a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way. But uh, yeah, I mean, certainly Pez put a whole bunch of different heads on top of their little dispensers. And uh, I, I seem to recall there was a bit of. Mm, I'd like that one, please. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you, you're, uh, get the whole set. The last thing I really enjoy about this episode, by the way, before we get into trivia, and I feel like you would have, would have really liked this as well, was the conversation about pouch envy. <laughs> <laughs> At least give me a pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I love that old guy. He was fantastic from the bowl yeah, days. He, like, he was given a few lines, but he ate them up, man. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't want to be a polar bear anymore? Too cold for you? <laughs> Very funny. Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. All right, it is time for some trivia here on Talking Seinfeld for the Pest Dispenser. But before we do that, this is, of course, the time, Mr. Davis, where we read out the names of our beloved $20 patients because they get their name read out on every single show we do here on the Four Finger Discount Network. They deserve it. And we're going to kick off this week with our man, of course, Andrew Zer, steamed hand champion Dylan Haggett, Pete Anderson. Jordan Molman, Richie, Christopher Darby, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, 
George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean DV, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Declan Phoenix, Grandskeeper Noah, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, and Adric McLeod. Thank you so much, guys, for your ongoing support. Of course, these guys being patrons of this show here at Talking Seinfeld and Four Finger Discount Network, they get early access to this and all the other shows we do here in the network, Zoom chats each month with Guy and myself, and access to a bunch of a whole range, over almost 100 hours of bonus podcasts available on our Patreon. So make sure you check it out. Over six years of archives of bonus podcasts. You could, you'd never have to listen to another podcast. You never would have to ever again. It would just, no. it would just fill, your whole, fill your whole life, the rest of the life, just by being a... Just, just <laughs> sign up, check it out, $1, and you'll get access to some bonus podcasts to to tempt you into, a, into supporting more. But anyway, time for some mm. trivia here. My first question is for you. How many pairs did Kramer initially purchase? Uh, he bought five, didn't he? That's correct. Five, yeah. Yeah. My, um, my favourite number. What's your favourite number? Mine's always been five. I like seven. It's funny. A lot of people are either five or seven. I, I, mm. it, it's, what is it about five and seven? It's just five and seven is so many people's favourite number. Hmm. I'm very curious now. Why do you think that would be the case? I have no idea. But like, whenever I play Kino, like Nicola loves playing Kino, it's, we always just choose three, five, seven, and we have never... Not one at once. So if you pick three numbers in Kino, you get like 50 bucks. You win 50 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And we always put on 20 games. And every single time we've won at least once. So it costs us 20 bucks. We always walk home doubling our money. So three, five, seven, if you ever play Kino, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the reason. Yeah. Uh, my first question to you. Yeah. George hands Jerry a can of something. What is it? Oh, is this the one that I was talking about? It should be more popular? No. No. Oh, okay. it's not mentioned at all, but you can see it, and you distinctly know what it is. That oh, I'm going to say diet coke, and you would be correct in doing yeah. so. J- J- Jerry just seems like a diet coke kind of guy, don't you reckon? <laughs> yeah, come on, be a Coke Zero kind of guy. We've talked about yeah. it. <laughs> I think they, would they have had Coke Zero in 1992? Though? No, not not Coke, not Coke Zero, and not even Coke No Sugar. Just Coke and Diet Coke. Not mm. even Coke Clear. It's gone. <laughs> they probably had New Coke, and that's forget it. Yeah. Uh, my next question is, what was the name of the old guy who was killed by the Gatorade? That's the club owner, and his name was Marty Benson. Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what temperature is it uh, when Kramer swims in the morning with the polar bears? Ooh. Nah, you got me. What is it? He said it was 29 degrees, which I can only assume is Fahrenheit. We've talked yeah. about this, Amer- our American friends. Get with the program. Get Celsius. Get feet. I mean, get um, centimetres, not feet. <laughs> so 20 degrees Fahrenheit into Celsius is, it is minus 1.6. That shit is cold. <laughs> and my final question here for the pest dispenser is, how old was Marty when he died? That I don't know, but I want to say 65. Oh, nearly 67. You should have gone with your lucky number. See, you ah, five or seven. See, I went with your <laughs> lucky number. Which, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. Mm. If you want some more, and it's funny because you mentioned earlier about the the drink, but uh, what is on? What are two of the things on George's conversation list with Noel? Ah, uh, yeah, um, how he can reverse park? Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's one reverse of them. park. And why is it's postum or something? Why is it not a more popular drink? Is that right? <laughs> it's called postum. I didn't look it up. What is postum? Do you think it's a replacement for coffee? Oh, okay. Yeah, so basically, if you don't want to drink coffee, you drink this. And a lot of Mormons drank it because they were they don't drink coffee, so they would drink this instead. 
but I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker at all, so I don't need it. I don't need a replacement. I just don't want it at all. <laughs> but yes, you got any more trivia questions for me before we get into our review? Oh, I think that ought to do us, don't you think? Let's let's jump into the episode. Let's jump into it, shall we? After this short break. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash fourfinger discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of the Pez Dispenser was January 15th, 1992. It was written by Larry David and directed by... Who, Mr. Davis? Tom Sharones. <laughs> Starring Fred Sanders as John and Elizabeth Moorhead as Noelle. And we were just discussing just then, I don't think Elizabeth really appeared in much, which surprised me because I thought she did a great job as Noelle. She was very good in this, and we'll get to it when we get to it, but she... You know, is the she puts the capper on the episode very, very nicely. But yeah, I, I, I think like you, Dan, I looked up her CV. Ooh, I looked up her CV. Um, looked up her other credits. Uh, once this episode was done, it's like, oh, you know, she had a one of those actors' careers where it's like, oh, I've got a guest star and role in this and this. You know, she was a a lead on this probably short-lived show. But yeah, not. An actor's career, not a star's career, but, you know, an actor's career. But she's terrific in this episode. Yeah, just uh, plays very well with the Seinfeld crew. You brought up the um, the ending there with, with the capper of the, well, you're going you're gonna to need it, whatever she says with, without the hand. Mm. It's not very often that Seinfeld has moments like that. It's a, that was a very sitcom-y kind of ending, and it wasn't a bad one. It was funny. And because they don't do it all the time, it stood out more, and it, it works here. It feels like it actually meant something more. Where if this was how every episode ended, it'd be just like, oh, yeah, another one-liner. But yeah. it just felt odd in the Seinfeld universe to have such a bazinga moment, you know? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld kind of very much march to their own rhythm. They're not necessarily, yeah, we're just going to make a, a sitcom like every other sitcom. Ours is going to be very representative of our sense of humour. So you're right, when it does have a, a close-out line like this where you sort of, you, I don't know if you hear the audience here going, whoa, yeah, it's like, whoa masturbation like joke on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, it is such a good example of that, that, I mean, I wrote in my notes like, the minute they start talking about hand, I'm pretty sure someone said, you're talking about hand? Boy, you're definitely going to need your hand after this. And it's like, okay, well, that's how we close out. And then you sort of reverse all the engineer, all the hand stuff from there. Yeah, this, this, this was sort of like the um, planting the seed for the contest episode. True. But, but t- test out a masturbation gag and see how it goes. Crowd liked yeah, it. See how, Let's run with it. See how it flies. 
<laughs> but yeah, I thought that whole that whole moment was handled very well. But anyway, so the episode kicks off with some stand up with Jerry discussing women and their perfume. Women uh, put on their perfume in an interesting way. I love watching them do that. Do you ever notice that, guys? And they have those, their little key strategio <laughs> little areas and <laughs> places they think we're going. <laughs> and they always hit this one. Women are convinced that this is the most action-packed area that could ever happen in the dating world. What, what is that, lady? What, what is happening here? Is that, is that in case you slap the guy or something? He still finds you intriguing? Oh, Chanel. I, like, the, the aftershave on the, on the wrist, right? For some reason, I spray aftershave there. I don't know why I do that. Like, I spray I my neck that. and I spray I mean, it Apparently, there. it's a, it's a, like a, a, the human pheromone dispenser. It's okay. where... Yeah, that's where a lot. Of, it's on your neck. I've always gone neck, wrist. wrist. Yeah, neck and, Jer- neck and wrist. Jerry makes fun of women for putting it there. I'm like, but that's where everyone does it, is it not? Everyone <laughs> does that. <Yeah. laughs> I, I, I felt insecure after he did that. I was like, am I not? Am I not supposed to be doing this? <laughs> um, make sure, look, take note. Whenever you interview Jerry, don't say you put aftershave on your wrist. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is funny how a, a sitcom will kind of de- can determine your behaviour moving forward. Friends did it really well because then they, they, they did the thing where um, do you check your f- if you're a man you you're supposed to check your fingernails by folding your uh, fingers into your into your hand sort of yep. doing not not quite a fist but you do it and that putting way. your hand out yeah yeah as opposed to being a woman and you look at the back of your hand mm. <laughs> I remember being in like the, I remember being in like year eight and a girl asked me that she must have just watched the Friends episode or something and I did it and all the friends giggled. And I was like, what are they laughing at? And my friend's like, it means he's gay. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Complex forever. (laughs) I know. I'm pretty sure. Not that that there's anything wrong with that, but when I'm in year eight, you know, in 2002, (laughs) it was a concern. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that every every time since watching that episode of Friends that I've had to check my fingernails, I'm like, make sure you do the claw. Even though it means nothing, but, you know, it sticks with you, doesn't it? Or I'm not doing it when anyone's around, even. I'll do it alone <laughs> in my house. So, no, 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 I did it the other way. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, was, uh, that is good, yeah. But anyway, so George, is, um, he's very excited talking about his new girlfriend, Noelle. She's a professional pianist. She's a pianist, a classical pianist. She plays the piano. She, she, she's a brilliant woman. I, I sat in her living room. She played the Waldstein Sonata. The Waldstein. We, we, we did a crossword puzzle together in bed. It was the most fun I ever had in my entire life. Do you hear me? In my life. You know? Were you talking? I couldn't hear anything. Jerry is a very dismissive friend, isn't he? Oh, well, sorry, were you talking? I wasn't listening. It's like, no, you heard every word. You're just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so is that the one that plays the bongos? And as you were saying earlier, it's just he's got George is that friend that. But they, they got it. It comes to the point though where just be nice occasionally, and Jer- yes. and Jerry does be nice occasionally. But the friend who's a, a punching bag, they have a breaking point, and you can t- and you usually tell when they're getting close to it, and you know, all right, back off now. We have talked about this on the show in the past, whether it's on the, on Talking Seinfeld or on Four Finger Discount. Or going down to South Park or Movie Guys or the other shows or, we do here in the Four Finger Discount Network. 
any of the many shows <laughs> in which we talk about all manner of interesting things. But, yeah, how men kind of have that way of displaying affection or acceptance of someone by taking the piss. Which, which means for international listeners, that means making fun of, but like in a, in a fun way. I'm not sure taking the piss has, has gone overseas yet. I think it's just, we're not taking <laughs> urine. Our, our British friends know what we're yeah, talking about. Would, yeah. Our American taking friends. Yes. I'm poking fun at. Mm. But at the same time, if, you, if it's a friend that you've had for quite some time, or, no, I think, you know, even if you're, you, you realise, like, there's so far you can go and you know when you've even taken, like, a, you put a little pinky toe across that line and go, oh, wait a minute, no, 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 sorry. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. Mate, yeah, mate, my bad. sorry. And then you spend the next, I don't know, five to ten minutes sort of like, mate, good luck. Good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, <laughs> big upping them until you can start, you know, uh, poking them again. Uh, so George says he's very uncomfortable with the new situation, new relationship because he's got no power. She has the upper hand, and hand is it's, it's tough to get. So George um, he invites Jerry and Elaine to uh, to come watch her play at a recital, and perhaps they can go for dinner afterwards, so she can kind of see him in his natural habitat with his friends and see, think that he has some form of a, of power in this relationship. And this is where Kramer enters and says, "Smell my arm," and I was like, "Oh, it's the beach episode." So, which eventually gets stolen, but um, this is you know this is the initial introduction. That's actually what I liked about the Kramer ep- uh, character, and I never realised that when watching Seinfeld for the like, initially was that Kramer seems to have these stories that go across various episodes where the other characters mm-hmm. don't. Like it's it's George, Elaine, and and Jerry are very much the story happens in an episode and it comes to an end. But you got like Kramer. The previous one was the jacket, which went across yeah. several episodes, across seasons even. So like J- Kramer's there. He, he talks about the beach here. Eventually, it gets stolen. The idea. But I watched this and went, "This is similar to my theory of a burning candle that smells like garlic and onions cooking." I want that in my house. I told you. <laughs> I think I've, I've, I've said this thousand times. Like, oh yeah, I would be an instant millionaire if I could come up with a uh, yeah scented candle that smelled like. Um, yeah, sautéing onions. That's yeah. Like, oh, my God. Mm, <laughs> mm, that's good candle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, but his his idea about, you know, um, yeah, the beach. Smells like a beach, yeah. Like, that's great. That, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I, I wonder, though, would it be a, a scent that you would eventually, like, it's, it's the initial scent is like, oh, that's nice, that's alluring. But would you want to that your partner to smell like that all the time? I think it'd be a good way of attracting somebody. But I don't think I would want Nicola to smell like the beach <laughs> all the time. Well, here's the thing. I mean, first of all, weird with Nicola, does she have like one, does she have like a signature scent that she uses or does she have an array of them for certain occasions? And likewise, you, do you have? I have just whatever my mum bought for me for Christmas the year before, really. I don't pay you really okay. any attention. It's a Calvin Klein something. <laughs> It probably actually is called Calvin Klein something. Yeah, it's got that. It's got that really sophisticated ad with you know some hot looking French dude in black and white, and it's like Calvin Klein something, 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 something. <laughs> I um use uh what's it called? Links Africa. <laughs> I don't really, but that that was like the uh the and if you're in high school. If you went to the change rooms after PE class, it was a lot of links going around that air. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> woof, just all, and they all combined in the middle of the room, and it's just, it's all these big, very smells of sweat and links. Ugh, terrible. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the beach, a good concept, and I think, um, yeah, obviously it does pay off in the end for somebody else. Yeah, but I think you'd use it 
every once in a while, it would, it would be very much a summer kind of scent. Uh, and yeah, not every day, but uh, and probably not when you're going down the coast or anything like that. But say you were going to you know some nice like a, like a barbecue on a on a afternoon slash you know balmy summer evening. It's like bit on the wrists, smell like the sea. I think I think my three favourite smells would have to be garlic and onion cooking, freshly cut grass. Reminds mm-hmm. me of Saturday mornings, Dad cutting the grass just when he had not a care in the world. And probably a wood fire. Yeah. What about you? What are your What are your three go to scents? Well, definitely, yeah, saute. <laughs> yeah. And garlic. What are the What are the other two for you? I mean, like, I love it when you're walking down the road and you can smell that someone's got a wood fire and mm. the smoke's coming out. But what about you? What are your two? That is nice. Uh, look, it sounds obvious to say that I'm a fan of sort of like beachy smells, given that we're just talking about the ocean here. But uh, I I am very partial to that. You know. When, okay. uh, I'm not, I I don't really like going to the beach because I'm very pale and I'm like Anakin Skywalker and I don't like sand it gets everywhere but I do love the smell of it you know just when yeah. you've pulled into the car park you know you've got a little bit of a walk to go to the beach but you sort of get a mmm that's fresh and then, <laughs> so you, that, and then you get out of the car and you're like oh, tides out <laughs> <laughs> um what's, what's my third I like pine like, okay. Like a pine scent. Yeah. So you'd be big oh. on a real Christmas tree then, yeah? Oh, true, but... Uh, Are you going to have a Christmas tree in your... Do you ever have Christmas trees in your house at Christmas time? Just a little one. I've got a tiny one that's in the cupboard and I, I sort of take that out and it's got a few little lights on it and I just put that up. But, uh, Why don't you get a big one? You should get a big one. Eh, don't want it. Don't want it? Oh, fair enough. It's your choice, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we just we just bought a new one. We, we've had the same tree for like 12 years. It was just... It was a pain in the... Every time we'd, like, we'd pull it out, just little bits of green shit would fall over the floor. So we bought a... A newer one, it's a little bit bigger, but it's got the the pre-lit lights like built into it to save the hassle oh, yeah. having to put lights on it. Much better. <laughs> well, I know you like your Christmas, so oh, yeah, it makes like sense. Christmas, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Getting back to the episode, though. Uh, yes. That was a slight detour there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Kramer, he, um, he's got the be- he talks about the beach. Uh, then he says that he's joined the Polar Bear Club. That smells good. What is that? The beach. <laughs> the beach? Yeah. You have to go swimming? It's 29 degrees out. No, I just joined the Polar Bear Club. <laughs> You joined the polar bears? Yes. What the hell was a polar bear? Well, it's these people. They go swimming in the winter. They're, they're terrific. I just took my first swim today. <laughs> it's invigorating. Yeah. So shock therapy. <laughs> but then Kramer uh, says that he's got Pez dispenser and Jerry's like, oh, Pez. It's kind of like one of those things where you go, I remember those. I love those. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like someone pulling out a, like a wad of footy cards from the yeah. Um, you're like fuck, I love these things. And after about five minutes, you're like, yeah, what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's I love it when someone whether it's bringing up a story or pulling something out of the cupboard and just triggers a memory from your childhood that you're like, oh, happy times, and it's just it, it's just that nostalgia kick. Besides, maybe an orgasm. Is there a better feeling and love? Is there a better feeling than a nostalgia kick? Well, true, yeah. Like I mean, something, something that takes you back to watching, for example, for you, I believe you said something like in your dressing gown watching The Sound of Music on a Saturday night or something. You know, yes. a real kick of nostalgia. It's a great feeling, don't you reckon? Yeah, a, a real, uh, you know, Anton Ego, the restaurant creek, having his first bite of ratatouille, having his bite of ratatouille. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're to the point where it's so strong that you, no, you don't feel dizzy, but it's like, whoa, that was like, that was yeah, so, that, that was something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I had, a, I had a small version of that the other day because I was cleaning out the laundry okay. and realised, oh, there's a couple of these boxes behind the door here. What's in there? And it was a bunch of magazines from the 
2000s that I thought I'd thrown out. You wrote this on social media, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, and I kept pretty much all of them. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sort of took them and put them in a pile. It's like, okay, well, it looks like someone's going into office works to get one of those big plastic containers. So, you know, these can be kept, uh, you know, relatively uh, stain and element, no more wear and tear on them. So, yeah. But I was flicking through them and going, Oh, yeah, I remember. Re- oh, gosh, I remember like reading this one on the train when I was, you know, going back and forth to Melbourne for work and all that kind of stuff. Oh, will you ever <laughs> so, pull them out again, though? Do you think? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe like 10 years from now. This is where I've got like, this, this is where I need to draw a line for myself because I'm terrible at wanting to keep things like that. Yeah. And I have to ask myself, you forgot you had them. Now that you know you've got them, do you still think you're ever going to pull them out again? There was a, there was a period, though. Where I was like, oh man, I shouldn't have thrown those out. I mean, I thought I, I'd, I thought I'd dump them. I've got a, I've got a story for you. Continue, <gasps> but yeah, no, no, no. That's that's the end of my answer. Like, okay. I thought I'd thrown these out, and it turns out that I had them. So, yeah, so are you prepared thing. to have your heart broken? But constantly. My <laughs> uncle once gave me this three giant boxes, right, full of magazines, and I kept them for years and years and years. I sat in the garage. It got to the point where Nicola's like. And it wasn't Nicholas' fault. She made sense. She's like, you never read them. What's the point in having them? Just get rid of them. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I've never, I've, I just liked the idea of having them, right? Yes. It was every Empire magazine from 1997 through to 2001. Every oh. one of them. <laughs> I mean, it was even like early, it might be like 995. It was like six years worth of Empire magazines. Everyone in like pristine condition, condition all in like uh, sleeves. My uncle kept them in perfect condition. And I was like, oh, wow. I look back now and go, I should have kept them. But then I think about it, I'm like, most of the shit that was in those magazines, you probably just find online anyway, you know? That is true. But it just, I don't know. I look back now, I think, I often think, Guy would have really have liked those. <laughs> I should have kept those for Guy. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> but I don't think I even know, knew you at that point, but you, you would have been my first point of gold to go, I would have just dumped them at your house. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had them for like three weeks and then gone, these are taking up space. Hey, I just bought it at the flea market. Hey, what goes on there exactly? You don't know? No, I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> you, you think they have fleas there, don't you? No. Yes, you do, Biff. <laughs> You've never been to a flea market, and you think they have fleas there. All right, I think they have fleas there, so what? <laughs> that didn't go anywhere, does it? So George doesn't really know what a flea market is. I thought, well, they're going to go to the flea market. They don't. Yeah. But no, that that is part of Larry David's genius, I think. I mean, it, it, purely for that line, I was like, "You think they've got fleas at the flea market, don't you?" And it, like, you start thinking, "Why the hell do they call it a flea market?" I'm pretty sure I thought they called it a flea market because you know they sold fleas or some reason like that. I ended up looking it up. Apparently, they call it a flea market because it's yeah, it's got some. I think in France they called it something, and it's the vague translation was something like flea market. Okay. Yeah, but I did look up what PEZ stands for. PEZ stands for something in, I think, in French as well. Hang on. Is it an acronym? P-E-Z? It comes from the German word of peppermint. That's what it is. Oh. So, it's Pfeffermans. So, capital P, F, lowercase, F-E-F-F, capital E-R-M-I-N-Z. So, the capitals, P-E-Z, from that word, peppermint, are PEZ. Mm, so there you depends. go, kids. <laughs> the more you know, the more you know. Yeah, that's definitely. And that's the, but that's the kind of thing that you you know three years from now is you go to a trivia night. That's the kind of shit they'll ask you. What does Pez stand yeah. for? And everyone's going to think, oh, well, it must stand for three different words. No, it's just peppermint. It's a German word for, for peppermint. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be the hero of the night. I feel like um, 
the flea market was a Seinfeld episode. That would have worked <laughs> for sure. Those guys walking around a flea market. Can you imagine the fun they could have gone up to? True, but maybe too, maybe too many sets. I mean, I think Seinfeld likes to keep it relatively yeah. isolated. Oh, maybe in a later, uh, probably in a later, later seasons. They were always they were not always, but they were very much being out yeah. and about. But yeah, I think the I think the flea market would have been would have been fun. I think this would be a fun game to play with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Throw out a title each week and get our listeners to come up with a story for each character based on that title, and the yeah. the best one that we choose wins a prize. What do you reckon? That's good. If we want to hand out prizes willy-nilly, but... Uh. I won't ask what the prize is, but I'm in discussions with a sponsor for the show. We're going to hand out, and, you, and listeners of our show will appreciate it, and prizes will be given out. So, the first one we're going to throw out there is the flea market. Let us know. Write in, talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. Write in now, and let us know which episode, uh, which do you think, or what do you think each character would be doing in that episode? George, Elaine, Kramer, Jerry in the flea market. Best, the best answers, the best response will get a prize from our newest sponsor, which will be announced on the next episode of Talking Seinfeld. But talkingseinfeld at gmail.com, write in and let us know your thoughts on the flea market. Check out Dando Wheeling and Dealing. So they're now waiting for Noelle's recital to begin. They're sitting there all sort of just prepared, talking about how, how do they prepare? Do they plan backstage? Do they just crack their knuckles? What, what do they do? <laughs> and George says, now don't clap right away because when, when she stops, she's not finished. Very patronising, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That was directed at me. <laughs> you ever had a moment like that where someone says something in a group and it's like, you were looking at me when you said well, that. Right. I'm <laughs> going to be the one to do this. <laughs> yeah. Even if they haven't said it directly, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I've had that where it's like, yeah, that's that's me you're talking about, isn't it? Uh, nothing worse. The recital begins. It's going well until Jerry puts the paste dispenser on her lap. I'm going to be honest. I'm not really sure why Elaine thought that was so funny, but that's just life in general. Sometimes things just tickle you and you just cannot explain why you just can't stop laughing about it. It's just- Oh, yeah. And she she yells out Joe Gibbs here, who's like a former football player or something. I don't get- And and I've looked online and no one can work out why she says it when she's laughing. I'm going to join that group because I've got no idea why she's laughing. No, no. But uh, but as I was saying, though, it's just- because I watched this with Nicola. Nicola's like, why is she laughing so much at this? I'm like, it's just one of those things where in life, you just sometimes things just make you laugh. And no matter, and for the next like five minutes, you find everything hilarious. Well, it strikes me as a perfectly natural human reaction to being in what seems like setting. a very stuffy environment. You know, I mean, you're sitting in a room, you're listening to someone play piano, not exactly sort of jaunty, ding, 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 but pretty deep classical music. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, well, she does actually, I know what she does actually play. She plays uh, it's Beethoven's- Waldstein Sonata. So apparently this was um, the same piece that was played in a similar scene from George Cooker's Gaslight. Oh, okay. In which a person doesn't walk out laughing, they walk out crying. Well, there you go. But, um, you know, you're in this situation where, yeah, you've basically got to- be a grown-up, you know. It's like, okay, we've got our we've got our good clothes on and we're going to sit here very, you know, very seriously and we're going to pay attention to this music and we're going to revel in, you know, just how accomplished this person playing it is and to just do something so childish and not even, yeah, not clever at all, not inventive, but just like, hey, check this out, it's a little pest dispenser. <laughs> you know, it's the... the most incongruous thing that could happen in that environment. And no, yeah, no wonder you're going to start laughing. And then I think in your brain you realise 
there's nothing funny about this, but it's funny, and that makes it even funnier. It sort of it becomes a perpetual motion machine. You laugh at yourself <laughs> know, for laughing, yeah, yeah. That's I've, I've certainly found that in your life, in my life, and I'm sure sure you found in your life as well that you'll just start laughing at something, and you just can't stop. The fuse has been lit, and you can't cut it off anywhere. I get that sometimes when I'm watching like classic Simpsons, and I, like when we're doing our our classic reviews, and I'm just like. I just have to pause it sometimes. And it happened in Seinfeld as well. Sometimes there comes moments in episodes where I go to pause. Like I'm just like, I can't concentrate right now. That is just too funny. And I just, I laugh and I cry for like five minutes. And then mm. I compose myself and get back to it. And then I think afterwards, I'm like, the moment wasn't even that funny. What, what, why did I have that res- response for you? Yeah. Like, what, why, why did you respond to it that way? What, what was so funny about that? I can't even explain it. It's as individual as your fingerprints. I mean, I remember seeing uh, the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yep. Uh, ages and ages ago, I was about ten years old now. But uh, and there's just a bit of it where I think he's played by Jarvis Cocker from Pulp, and he's singing a song, you know, about the three farmers, about you know Bogus Bunsen Bean, and um, one of them comes in and uh, says, "What are you singing, Peter?" He goes, oh, "I was just making it up as I go along." Really, it's like. That's just bad. That's just weak songwriting. You write a bad song, Petey, and flicks a cigarette at him. I laugh for like five minutes straight. People in the I was seeing it as a, at a preview, and all the other reviewers just looking at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> you know, why is he laughing at that so much? Why is he still laughing at it? He's really kind of disrupting the, the rest of the film for us." But I couldn't stop, and to this day, when it's on, I'm like, "That's really funny." But did that, did that um, old guy, did that old reviewer, have a go at you? you? Remember the guy had a go at the kid for the phone. What was his name? Oh, that was probably Tom Ryan. The, the he's like, <laughs> put your phone away or something, didn't he? Yell at, yell at something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, good, good guy, Tom Ryan. Um, no, I think he, I think he realised. No guy's enjoying this. Let him, let him have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if he's, if it's not laughing, trying to disrupt, and you just are just actually genuinely enjoying the film, that's fine. Yeah, I've been to enough previews and, and enough screens of other stuff where there are certain people they will just. Oh, you're letting us know that you're enjoying this, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a fake laugh, but it's like you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can stop that anytime. Or you can you can gradually <laughs> You can usually tell you can usually tell when someone's really laughing because they'll spend the first 10, 20 seconds or so trying not to laugh loud. Mm. And you can hear that they're like it's killing them inside not laughing. Like they're not they're not just going, ha ha, patronizing like they're just like <laughs> I can't yeah. breathe anymore. And I have to get this out. <laughs> you'll go a few, you'll go like 10, 20 seconds and then it'll just resurface. It'll bubble up. Yeah. And <laughs> you try to think of something else and then it just, you think you immediately think of that again. You're like, oh God, here it comes. I think I had that. There was the last Terminator movie, that Dark Fate one. Did you remember that one? Did I never watched that? it. I know what you're talking about. I never watched it. It yeah. was no, well, I don't think this is a spoiler. It's not, yeah, it's not really. But um, Arnold the Terminator has essentially renounced being a Terminator. He's still a robot with Arnold's skin on top, Arnold's skin on top, but he's living like a human life. And he works as like a, a, a curtains and drapes guy. I need to watch this now. <laughs> you it's just so sold odd. me on the film. You so, that, and that should be the whole film. <laughs> it is, but there's one bit where he's talking about, he was selling, selling drapes to someone. And they said, they wanted to buy these ones. I said, don't do it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> And he just does it in the out of I said, and I said, don't do it. <laughs> we need more. We need more of this Arnold back. I reckon. <laughs> Very much so. But I was just yeah. 
that takes me back to like early to mid nineties, Arnold. I know he's still he's still an action star at the time, but it's when he started dabbling into things like twins and kindergarten cop mm. and jingle the way. Arnold's a really funny guy. Well, yeah, I mean, he he knows how to play perfectly against the fact that he's Arnold. But uh, you did that. You did that commercial not long ago for like was it Tesla, the electric car or something? And he was like Zeus. I don't remember that one. No. And Salma Hayek was was his wife. Okay. And they're like, I'm getting tired of living here on Mount Olympus. Going to go down and live in Los Angeles. And you know, he and Salma Hayek are like, you know, driving around in the Tesla, and he's recharging everyone's electric shit by using his Zeus lightning bolts. It's on YouTube. It's actually pretty funny, but <laughs> yeah, he's got a good sense of humor. But just that whole, I said, don't do it. <laughs> Just kill me. Anyway, sorry, we're 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 going off on so many tangents on this on on the pesters, man. So this episode's going to run so long. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Elaine goes outside, and she sees uh John Molica. He approaches her outside, and she goes, "I thought you were broken up with Jerry. Why is he now? Oh no, no, we have broken up." And she immediately starts hitting on her, and I'm like, "Dude, not not the time. Like, get, give it, give us some breathing space first. And we cut to um to the Pez just sitting on the chair. That was funny. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then John explains that Richie Apple, their friend, uh, he's messed up on drugs now. And Elaine then suggests intervention. A lot of people are doing it now. Like, it was like a... I know they started doing it in, like, the 60s, but it was like a fad. And you've explained this in the past, where, like, late 80s to early 90s is when, like, it really started picking up steam. Yeah. And I know the two episodes are, you know, basically a decade apart, but we just did a Simpsons episode, or a full-time yeah. discount on The Simpsons, that had an intervention in it. It's weird how everything just connects, isn't it, on this show? It's so <laughs> on <odd>. our shows. <laughs> but um, he, uh, John says that Richie would only ever listen to Jerry. You know, he really respects Jerry. Cut to Jerry clapping the pest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good performance by this guy. His name Fred Watt, who plays John Mollica. Fred Sanders. A nice blend of just enough creepiness. I mean, it's a, he really respects Jerry. I've just got in my, my notes, he's pretty much just a grown-up version of Ralph Wiggum, almost. <laughs> like, season four, season five, Ralph Wiggum. Where he's like, <laughs> where everyone says, he goes, you know, you know when Ralph says, I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I didn't put my finger up there. Finger Is up that there. kind of Ralph? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically, he's hitting on Elaine. He realizes that Jerry's um, not with her anymore, and Jerry's just disrupting, not disrupting, but just being, taking the, he is taking the piss. Only <laughs> a yeah. dispenser. <laughs> just yeah being very childish so now we're backstage and we're we're waiting for noelle to come out of her room george he's having a go at, at jerry and elaine how could you do that i'm sorry george i'm sorry what did you put the pez dispenser on a leg for in the first place i don't know it was an impulse what kind of a sick impulse is that <laughs> how could i know she'd start to laugh i'm sorry i'm sorry i am can we just go in already what are we gonna tell her I'll tell her I was the one who laughed. No, don't say a word. If she thinks my friends are jerks, then I'm a jerk. Oh, remind me to talk to you about something later. What about? Hey, hey, we're discussing something. I know, but I'm distracted now. What are you, a baby? <laughs> All right, tell her. When I was outside, I ran into John Malika. Really? John Malika? Yeah. The guy that used to uh, bartend at the comedy club. Mm -hmm. How's he doing? He's good. Uh, could we cut to the chase? Cut to the chase? Yeah. Well, what are you, Joe Hollywood? A lot of people say it. I would lose that. Uh, what's that? Lose that? That's not a Hollywood expression. Yes, it is. 
Anyway, so John told me that Richie is in town from Los Angeles and he's really messed up on drugs. So I told him you should do an intervention. Really, an intervention? You know, you people, we got a situation over here. Yeah, but he wants you to be a part of it. Why me? He says Richie really respects you and he would listen to you. Well, these things are really hard to load. <laughs> They then enter Noelle's room and she's very embarrassed by what happened. Mm. What, what, what was she even laughing at? I thought this was an, another sort of like sitcom moment, but I thought it was handled very well. What were they even laughing at? Pez? <laughs> but, he's offering, <laughs> but he's offering her a Pez at the same time. I thought it was very good. Jerry then rubs into Elaine. You know, only a sick, twisted mind could be so rude and ignorant. Or maybe some mental defective put something stupid on her leg. And they're just having, having a go at each other. Noelle doesn't realize it's Elaine at this point. Noelle then says she'll never forget that laugh. Mm. And as soon as she says that, you're like, well, I know where this is going. <laughs> well, okay, well, we're going to hear that again, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not sure. Well, this would have aired first, obviously, yeah, because The Nanny started in 93. But there was a very similar episode of The Nanny where Alton John was the guest star. And oh, okay. she says something or whatever. And she's like, maybe it's before me or whatever. But, and like Fran Fine yelled out, yoo-hoo, in her voice. But then <laughs> and it, it, for the entire episode, he's like, there was some annoying person there, and that voice just annoyed me. And she realizes it was her. And at the end, she yells out to, to Alton and she says it. And he realizes it. And I was like, ah. The nanny just completely stole that story from this episode. <laughs> like, that's literally <laughs> just it. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Nanny? I used to love The Nanny when I was growing up. I watched my share of episodes, absolutely. You never really see it anymore. It's not, obviously, syndications. Who watches free to air television anymore? But yeah. is it on a streaming service? It's just not one of those shows that gets talked about all that often anymore. Every once in a while, someone will bring it up and, you know, like, Oh, Fran Drescher, you know, comic powerhouse and fashion icon and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I think there's a lot of love out there for the nanny, whether it's- Is it love for know, the nanny or love, love. Fran Drescher? I think the nanny, I think the nanny just, it's just got a wholesomeness to it, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. And I think the two are kind of indistinguishable. Yeah, it's- uh, <laughs> I think people love the nanny, but yeah, mostly they love Fran Drescher. You're right. Yeah, so Noel doesn't feel like going out. He says, how do you prepare for, 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 for the evening playing recital? Ah, oh, just crack my knuckles. Crack knuckles. I remember <laughs> when I was younger, I hated people cracking their knuckles. The, the sound of it used to send chills down my spine. I would like scream. I'd block my ears. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I crack my knuckles all the time now. I just, I just do it. It's like once I, once I did it, I think once I like leant down and put my, this kind of motion, just like a closed fist and leant down and my knuckles cracked and I was like, oh, that's not so bad. That actually feels quite good. <laughs> and I remember oh, yeah. the, physio, the physio at um at Ford, when I used to work at Ford many moons ago, I remember him saying to me that there's no issue with cracking, because everyone always says to you, don't crack your knuckles, you'll get arthritis. But he told me cracking your knuckles is good because it's releasing all the built up mm. gas or something that's built up in there. Oh, that's what the sound all is. All the gunk. Yeah. Who am I going with? Am I going with the people that tell me that it's going to give me arthritis or am I going mm. with a professional here? What, what's the... Go with the, go with the pro. I mean, I used to do the thing where... I don't know if you can see what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, that's, that's what I was just doing before. Yeah, you crack them like that. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of you don't. You don't. You don't, you don't sometimes, sometimes I get I like put my finger against Nicola because Nicola hates it, hates it. So sometimes I put my finger against her like this. You can't see obviously, listeners, but put my, I just rest my finger against her and just sort of move my hand and it cracks it. She freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, yes, listeners, we are actually doing a whole lot of yeah. hand gestures here, showing each other how we crack our knuckles. Um, I was doing the thing with, it looks sort of like air quotes. You, yeah, you put one finger on top of the other, crack, crack, crack. Yep. <laughs> enough about the cracking. But enough about the cracking. I thought this next moment was very relatable, and we've all been in this moment where she just goes, I said I don't feel like it. You're like, oh. 
I will just back away now very slowly <laughs> and just keep my mouth shut. We've all been that point where we think we're just having fun and we don't realise we're pushing pushing any buttons. We're like, yeah. no, let's go out. I don't feel like going out. Let's just go for a drink. I said I didn't want to. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I'll call you later and we'll yeah, have a yeah. talk. Ah. We're now at Monk's. Jerry thinks Kramer indirectly is involved in getting Richie hooked on the drugs uh, because he suggested dumping Gatorade on Marty Benson's head after they had a comeback win playing, I want to say softball. It was a baseball. One of the two. Softball, and I think. Softball, but, yeah. yeah. Actually, based on a real incident. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to explain to the listeners what it was? Um, how about you do it? <laughs> <laughs> it was based on the death of Hall of Fame football coach George Allen. Apparently, in 1990, he was doused in, um, in Gatorade, the Gatorade shower, and 44 days later, he unfortunately passed away. Coincidence or not? I wonder if, at the time, doing this was seen as too soon. Because it would have been all over the news, that happening in America. It might have been a big deal here in Australia, but that would have been huge news in America. And just two years later, they're almost poking fun at it on Seinfeld. Would that have sort of raised a few eyebrows, do you think? I don't think so. You no, think I, so? Think, I think enough people were getting doused with Gatorade and if this one person does, I don't think we can get away with it. Okay, yeah, so Marty... Benson passed away from pneumonia. Now he's dead. The comedians were happy because he wasn't a very nice guy, apparently. But, you know, Richie was never the same. What about Kramer? Oh, no, he's the same. He's, he's the same. <laughs> <laughs> we're now at Jerry's apartment, and John wants to have the uh, the intervention there. He's like, oh, my furniture's not very confrontational. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to have it at my house either because if they get angry, shit starts going thrown around the room. No way. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not having an intervention at my place. Forget no it. I think, but it's got to... It's going to be like a place where they feel safe, though. It's, it's true. It's got to be a comfort zone, and then yeah. you take them out of the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kramer wants <laughs> he wants in on the intervention. <laughs> now, I had this down as actually one of my favourite moments. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, can I get in on that? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, I know a lot of people think Kramer is a fashion icon. I'm not necessarily one of those people. I did like the pink shirt he was wearing with like the is it like a flamingo or some kind of bird on it. He just, he just a, like we were saying, he just has a quality, Michael Richards, where you're just like, <laughs> you're not necessarily a good looking guy, but there's just something about the animalistic yeah. draw of you. <laughs> yes. It's the vibe you put out. Oh, yeah. It's, such, it's definitely a vibe. Yes. See, sometimes vibe works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like I feel like you'll be uh, interfering while we're intervening. But anyway, so they, <laughs> they say Kramer can be a part of it. George is on his way up and Kramer then gives the idea for the beach. Stop smelling your arm! You know, I got a great idea for a cologne. It's called the beach. You spray it on, and it's just like you came home from the beach. Hmm, a cologne that smells like the beach. I can't believe I'm saying this, but that's not a bad idea. Tell me about it. Why don't you call Steve DeGip? He works in the marketing department at Calvin Klein. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he's a good friend of John Mollica and Richie also. Okay. If this show was made now, I guarantee you they would have had the beach in production, selling it in stores by the Christmas time. I imagine so, yes. I'm really <laughs> surprised they didn't. Maybe it was just like a, a Jerry thing. Because he, he, he was very hesitant to license anything Seinfeld related, mm. until, even until recently. Um, but apparently it was a case of, because they did the Funko Pops and things like that, but they released like 25 at once, because I think it was just a case of Seinfeld were like, you can make your pops and then we're finished. It's not going to be a long yeah. drawn out thing. Um, but, you know, very very rarely was Seinfeld licensed in the 90s. You very rarely saw Seinfeld 
merchandise in stores anywhere. Not to the best of my recollection, no. No, no, no. But yeah, it's, it's, it seems like a um, uh, an opportunity wasted there. I definitely, I definitely, if I was a Seinfeld fan, would have purchased the beach, even if it was just for a, the, the novelty of it, you know, just to, sure. to own it. But it, he says to call Steve at Calvin Klein with the idea he might like it. And George, he's, um, he's, he's depressed, he's sad, he can sense that she's going to break up with him. So he's like, no, no, I was talking to her on the phone. I even had a list prepared. You know, good at reversing my car. <laughs> Postman's more popular drink. I, I just love the good at reversing my car. <laughs> I, I, I'm terrible at parallel parking. But sometimes I'm in the car with Nicola, because Nicola can just nail it every time, right? Sometimes I'm mm. in the car, and I can see there's a park there. And I'm like, if I drive past that, I'm going to look like a little man. I need to, <laughs> I need to do this. <laughs> so I get there. And then when I manage to pull it off, inside I'm just like, you did that. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's just a parallel park. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, if you do it in just, like, one go, yeah, you're just feeling like such a big man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not having to go, crunch. Oh, I've hit, I've hit the curb. Okay, I've got to go back. Oh, my angles are all off. Yeah, but, but that, was, that was my fear when I first met Nicola. I'm like, I don't want to. It's like, if I drive past it, I seem like I chickened out. But if I attempt it and fuck it up, what's worse? A fucking mm. up a parallel park or just going, <laughs> just going, you know what? I just can't do it, owning up to it and finding an angle park. What's I feel like, and I went with the, I just can't do it. I'm going with an angle park. When I first was like dating Nicola, I'm like, yeah, I don't like parallel parking. I was angle park. And inside, she's probably thinking, this fucking guy, what a, what a pussy. But, but, but I think that was definitely better because if you're, if you're on like a f- third or fourth date and the guy is driving you around, can't parallel park and people are honking at him because he keeps fucking it up, mm. that's going to leave a lasting impression, I think. It is, yeah. I think you. I think you made the right move. Just think, so, well, I've been married for ten years, so I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. I think with admitting your failures. You know what I mean? In the sense of mm. just going, I just can't do it. You know, like I just, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> Can you parallel park? I'm fucking. I'm shocking at it. No, I'm really good at it. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I'm pretty sure I've told the level. Yeah, I, I, I can't drive manual. I, I don't know how. I'm the same too. And I was I was going for a job like six months ago and I basically had the job and then the guy was like, but you can drive manual, yeah? And I was like, um, I can learn. He's like, oh, you can't drive manual. And inside I'm like, oh, I feel so small right now. He, he looked at me like, you little man. <laughs> How can you not drive manual? You're pathetic. <laughs> I just I felt so shit. I was like, I tried to get my license doing a manual and I was just fucking... It's too hard, man. <laughs> yeah, look, I tried a few times and I'm just like, this is too many moving parts. You know, what Part I've got pieces, a, too many of them. I've got shit hand eye coordination. I mean, I can't play the piano and I can't, you know, it's like, okay, so that foot goes down by that one goes up and then I move this hand to do that thing. I'm like, no, I'm just going to put it in D and point it in the direction I want to go. <laughs> I just, my theory is. If it can be done easier, why not do it easier? <laughs> not a bit like, exactly like, right. Some people are like, I like to have the control over the car, and I'm like, that's fine. That's stupid. <laughs> well, yeah. if, I can, if I can just put it in D and just drive that way and point the car, then why would I not do that? But anyway, yeah. so she um, <laughs> she suggested lunch, Noelle. She suggested lunch. It's like being demoted. You know, you start off with lunch, and you wake up at the dinner, go back to lunch, you're being demoted. He wants the hand, and Kramer says to him, why don't you break up with her? <laughs> yeah, the preemptive breakup. He's like, that's brilliant. It's a great idea. So we cut to the um, we cut to the breakup with Noel at Monks. So I'm uh, afraid that I am going to have to break up with you. You're breaking up with me? Yes. 
I am breaking up with you. Wow. Shocked? I really am. Never expected this, did you? I thought everything was fine. Well, live and learn. Well, I don't understand. You didn't enjoy being with me? Didn't we have fun doing the crossword puzzle? Kind of. I'm very confused. Well, I didn't mean to hurt you, kid. I thought that... Now, stop it, please. What do you want? I know I can make you happy. When, when you're playing the piano, do you think about me? I don't know. Well, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. I'll think about you. All the time? All the time? You know... Okay. All the time. I can't hear you. All the time. See? It's not so hard. I love the cognizance of, never expected this, did you? <laughs> it, it's... <laughs> It's quintessential, George, how he can just... You live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Take what is potentially a good idea. I'm not sure how I feel if this is a good idea or not. But then a good comedy was never made out of people acting rationally. Well, but this is the thing. that the whole, the, A lot of the, the beauty of Seinfeld is people doing things that would not work in real life, but the response they get is how in your mind you hoped it would work out but it never does work out mm. like that like in reality if you said this to a girl she would never say to you I know I can make you happy tell me what you want me to do that's not what happens but that's what we want to happen like Seinfeld gives us our our, our fantasies <laughs> true but it's also yeah just taking that one step too far it's like oh this could have ended well for you but instead you've just had to Oh, push it just that one, one or two or three steps too far, George. Yep. Don't abuse your hand is what I've written down here. When he says, um, I want you to think about me whilst you're playing, right? I thought that this was going to end because I couldn't quite remember how this one ended. I thought this was going to end with her playing terribly. And then Jerry and I go, what happened? I, I didn't laugh this time. And he's, he'll just go, she was thinking of me. And that would be the punchline. <laughs> and then that's mm. it. But anyway. So Kramer now shows Steve at Calvin Klein the smell, and he says the dumbest idea he's ever heard, objectionable, offensive odour. Load. <laughs> it's because he's stealing the idea. He wants Kramer to think that he's not going to use it. Throwing him off the scent, you might say. <laughs> Clever. Well uh, played, Dander. So they're preparing for the, um, for the intervention, and John's here talking about his blood nose. I'm just going, here. Yeah, this is very rough, Wiggum. If I'm Elaine, I'm just like, I don't want to be talking to this guy at all. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, but we've got, we got the guy who's angry at Jerry for having no ice cubes. I'm like, this guy a- seems like somewhat of a loose cannon. I'm, I must have been. I initially thought that was uh, Richie Appel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I thought like, as well. Yeah, but uh, no, he's just some random guy who's angry at the world and, and take it out on Jerry for not having ice cubes. What, he's going to drink? I can't drink this. It's warm. I'm like, okay, well, don't <laughs> drink it then. <laughs> <laughs> But nobody, um, nobody wants to talk at the um, at the intervention. Nobody wants to go walks, first, yeah. I think Kramer walks in and takes the Mickey out of what was said earlier. He's like, "Is this the interference?" <laughs> 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 Just not taking it seriously. And the polar bear buddies all arrive as well. What you don't want to be a polar bear anymore? <laughs> Too cold, old boy. <laughs> and then we get the uh, the buzzer, and everyone hides. It's not a surprise party. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, Elaine doesn't think it's appropriate that John's hitting on her at this point in time, and I completely agree. And then it's George and Noel, and he says that, you know, it's gone to plan. I've got so much hand, it's coming out of my gloves. 
The male kangaroo doesn't have a pouch. Only the female has it. So the male has pouch envy. Why should she have this huge pouch and I have nothing? I have things to carry too. At least, at least give me a pocket. I just thought this guy absolutely nailed this moment. He was given like three or four lines of dialogue there, and I just thought he was just hit it out of the park. Just, it was so good. Just killed it every time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to the point where Elaine has to laugh. That laugh. That's the laugh. That's it. You're the one. No, no, no it was an accident. It, it wasn't my fault. It was Jerry. Jerry put a pen dispenser on my leg. <laughs> I didn't know she would laugh. And you, you lied to me, George. You lied to me. Lied? No, I didn't. What what, what, what would I do? (laughs) Where are you going? I am breaking up with you. (laughs) You can't break up with me. I've got a hand. And you're going to need it. (laughs) A very well-written if not cliche ending to this story, but I really enjoyed it. It's like something you would expect on the end of Just Shoot Me. Yep. And that's not a bad thing. Just Shoot Me is a perfectly good sitcom. Definitely is. Another sitcom that doesn't get talked about less than The Nanny even. It's like Just, just Shoot Me has just never existed. You never see, you never hear anyone talking about it. I loved Just Shoot Me. And I don't know if it's on any streaming service or you have to go to one of the digital channels. Of the free-to-air networks. Yeah, you know, syndicated. Like, uh, I've got season one and two, I think it is, on DVD as a box set. And, um, yeah, I, I loved Just Shoot Me. I thought it was a great show. Yeah. You tend to think of Seinfeld as, like, a cut above or its own thing as opposed to, I mean, it's a sitcom. Of course it is. But... It was generational, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's odd, as we, as we said, that uh, it sort of ends on a boom boom kind, yep. of, kind of line. But, you know... A really, really good example of that. I mean, uh, yeah. like I said, if you're in the writer's room and someone's talking about hand, you go, well, you're going to need your hand. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and, you know, high fives. <laughs> uh, Richie then arrives. He doesn't know what's going on. And the next day, Jerry's just des- uh, describing how the intervention went down. So George is there. He can't do the crossword. He can't do it. He's just too sad. Jerry explains that Richie was hostile and he was talking back to everybody. And then he spotted the Pez dispenser. So it's all full circle now, the Pez dispenser. <laughs> This is perfect Jerry delivery as well. I mean, when you sort of talk about Seinfeld voice, just the thing, he's doing great in the rehab. He's hooked on Pez. Yeah. That's <laughs> such a... It's almost like he's doing stand-up. It is. And if you're doing a Jerry Seinfeld impersonation, that's not a go-to line, but that's very much the rhythm. Like, so-and-so, 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 so-and-so. But, yeah, he says that when he's... When he was a kid, his father was driving the car and he was trying to load a Pez dispenser and he lost control, crashed into a school cafeteria. No one was hurt, but the Pez was destroyed beyond recognition. And then, uh, yeah, two hours later after the intervention, he checked himself into a clinic. He's doing well because, as he said, he's so dumb, Pez. And this is where we get another... Like, it's a yeah. weirdly written Seinfeld, this one. Like, it felt like... It felt sitcom-y. And Seinfeld, despite the fact that it is a sitcom, doesn't usually feel sitcom-y. And that might just sound bizarre and stupid but do you know what i mean it doesn't feel like your your cliche sitcom banter but this did true 
But, Dana, we've been very fortunate on yeah. in the Four Finger Discount Network to talk to various people who run shows. Yes. Matt Selman, for instance, showrunner mm. of The Simpsons. And, you know, they talk about how, or even if you just read about or, or hear about uh, sitcoms or TV shows in general, how, you know, an episode may have someone's name on it, but often it's a collaborative effort. It's a result of a collaborative effort. I mean... I'm not sure if it was the case that Larry David actually did write all this himself or, you know, you had a few other people saying, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? This almost feels like an, op- an opportunity that where the writers in the writer's room sort of took it and ran with it and everybody added their two cents. Almost like an audition piece for, hey, I'd like to come work for The Simpsons too, you know, <laughs> or I'd like to, you know, write for Just Shoot Me or whatever. So there, there are some very sitcommy lines. I mean, as you said, the uh, closing out with... Oh, what's a three-letter word for candy? It's like, yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a sitcom closer. Like, oh, yeah, I know what you're doing there. <laughs> ah, what letters? Three letters. P E Z. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, then we end up some stand-up talking about jawbreakers being the ultimate challenge candy. Marketed some sort of experiment. I'd, yeah. I was always too scared if I put that in my mouth, it would go straight into my throat and kill me. <laughs> I always had this fear. Of, I think maybe it was seeing the movie Jawbreaker. Remember the movie Jawbreaker, where the girl was in the boot with a jawbreaker in her mouth, and she, I think she choked and died. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I never ate one after that. That movie got to me. I was like, fuck, that could actually happen. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I, I was never a fan. Of, I just never got the fascination with jawbreakers. I had a couple of friends that loved them, but I'm like, there's not that much taste to them. They hurt your teeth. Teeth? There's the fear yeah. of dying. I don't get it. <laughs> none of these are winners. No, none at all. Just give me some whiz None of these fizz, are man. selling points. Give me some whiz fizz. I feel like you would have been a kid that snorted whiz fizz. Is that right? No. <laughs> I never did that at all. <laughs> what even a wh- huge whiz fizz guy. I, yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I get the, I get the, un- I like pop rocks. Okay, yeah. I, I, I if I was like, going to have that tingly sensation on my tongue. Like the um the popping candy Santa elves like the, at, at Christmas time. You always get the popping candy elves chocolate. Do you ever eat that? Popping pop candy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Whiz fizz just felt like a, it's hard to describe. Whiz fizz would just feel like a bit of a, um, like a sizzle on your tongue. I liked Whiz Fizz, but there was always a point where you're like halfway through the bag where it was like caked on the spoon and it was just, yeah. it wasn't picking up as much anymore and your fingers were getting all wet because you're, you, yeah, I don't know. It's a good analogy for coke use. Yeah. It's, you know, this is- <laughs> I used to have a mate though who said it was hypo, but he used to just get the Whiz Fizz, rip the bag and just like straight into the mouth. He wouldn't use the spoon. It was just straight in. Oh my God. <laughs> Did he? Did he look like he had rabies? Yeah, it was like he was foaming at the mouth. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, yeah. behave that way anyway. Yeah, you get that sort of low level sizzle if you have a bit of whiz fizz on the tongue. But pop rocks, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, it's like. Yeah, they've turned up the heat. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our review of the Pez dispenser. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to please follow us on both Instagram and Twitter now. You can find us at Talking Seinfeld. That is your job for the next fortnight. All you listeners out there, get out there now and follow at Talking Seinfeld. We would appreciate it. Also, if you do have a spare moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Chuck mm-hmm. us five stars and leave us a few kind words. Every review that comes through on Apple Podcasts, we will read out on the show and as well, if you listen to us on Spotify, I don't think you can leave reviews as in words, but you can check us five stars on there as well. So we would appreciate all of the support. And of course, if you do appreciate what we do here at Four, at Four Finger Discount Network with all the shows we do, you can support us on Patreon for as little as just $1 per month. It all goes a long way to helping this little dream grow. Because as we said, I quit my job a couple of months ago and uh, we're trying to make this 
a career. So let's see. It needs your support. Mm. So hopefully you're enjoying all the hard work we're putting out here. Guy and myself here on the Four Finger Discount Network. And if you do so, please, if you can afford $1 per month, we would appreciate that support. The link is in the description of this podcast. But this has been the Pez Dispenser. On the next episode of Talking Sci-Fi, we are checking out The Suicide. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm looking forward to sinking my teeth into that one. So, The Suicide is the next episode of Talking Seinfeld. This has been the Pez Dispenser, Mr. Davis. Any final words for those incredible listeners out there? Indeed, I have hand, and I am certainly need it.